Welcome to Quantum Magazine's podcast. Each episode, we bring you stories about developments in science and mathematics. I'm Susan Vallett. Creationists insist that evolution had to assemble upward of 300 amino acids in the right order to create just one medium-sized human protein. That's more than 20 to the 300th power of possibilities to sift through. It's improbable that evolution could have stumbled onto the correct combination through random mutations within even billions of years, they say. The fatal flaw in their argument is that evolution didn't just test sequences randomly. The process of natural selection winnowed the field more systematically. Plus, it seems likely that nature somehow also found other shortcuts. Computer scientists face similar challenges with problems that involve finding optimal solutions among astronomically huge sets of possibilities. Some are looking to biology for inspiration, even as biologists still try to figure out exactly how life does it, too. Genetic algorithms are optimization methods that have been popular for decades. They use the principles of natural selection to engineer new designs for things like robots, drugs, and transportation systems. These algorithms also train neural networks and encrypt and decrypt data. The technique starts by treating random solutions to a problem as organisms. Here's computer scientist Hector Zenil of the Karolinska Institute in Sweden. Obviously, these organisms are oversimplified versions of real organisms. But at the end, they are not completely strange to them because we know all life on Earth, for example, is actually based on the very basic dictionary of only four letters. So simplifying to things only with two letters is not completely insane. And then you can evolve those very simple systems and do all sorts of experiments. These organisms have certain features or elements genetically described in their code. The solutions aren't particularly good to start with, but they then undergo combinations of random mutations and gene shuffling. This produces a second generation of organisms, which are in turn tested for their fitness at performing the desired task. And the best of those continue to breed and mutate. Eventually, many repetitions of this process lead to a highly fit individual or solution. Some experts are taking the method a step further in what's known as genetic programming. They want to evolve software that could write programs and come up with solutions efficiently. It's tricky, though, because researchers have had to take into account specific data types and structures, plus other conditions. These evolution-based ways of thinking, genetic programming in particular, overlap conceptually with a mathematical theory that's hovered on the sidelines of biology and computer science. A handful of scientists have recently been using it to gain insights into how evolution can be efficient, generate novelty, and learn to learn. The key is a specific notion of complexity, randomness, and information, but it hasn't had much practical application until now. Scientists developed the theory in the 1960s. It deals with what's known as algorithmic information. It starts with an intuitive way of thinking about probability and complexity, namely that it's computationally easier to describe how to generate something than to actually generate it, at least for some outputs. Zaniel says, think of it this way. Imagine you want to reproduce the digits of the mathematical constant pi, and you want to type them on a typewriter. 
and then ask what are the chances to actually produce the right digits in the right order. And the chances are very, very low, obviously. The longer the number of digits that you may want to get correct, the smaller the chances to produce them. But if instead of a typewriter, what you do is to write a computer program that produces pi, then things change dramatically because you don't need to write every digit one by one. What you need to write down is a formula and then by chance produce a computer program that implements that formula that produces all the infinite number of pi. In other words, algorithmic information theory essentially says this. If you want to get a desired output out of a random process, it's actually easier to randomly produce a computer program that will spit out that output than to generate the output directly. That's because such a descriptive program can be pretty short, making it easier to arrive at by chance. But a problem with that approach quickly emerged. Mathematicians learned that you can't compute the algorithmic complexity of a given output, the length of the shortest possible program needed to specify it. Computer scientists, therefore, couldn't determine the ideal way to compress a string or other object. By the way, that algorithmic complexity is known as Kolmogorov complexity, named after one of the theory's founders, Andrei Kolmogorov. As a result of this problem, algorithmic information theory was mostly relegated to the realm of pure mathematics. That's where it's used for exploring related theorems and defining the concepts of randomness and structure. Giuseppe Longo is a mathematician at the National Center for Scientific Research in France. Algorithmic information theory is a beautiful area which gave us a lot in the understanding of randomness. Tools for compressibility and compressing is very important to compressing information. But practical uses seemed out of reach. That didn't stop mathematician Gregory Chaitin from trying. He's recognized as one of the founders of algorithmic information theory, which can be seen as one of the most important areas of artificial intelligence or machine intelligence. That's computer scientist Hector Zenil talking about Chaitin. He wrote this book a few years ago where he proposed that life could be studied from the light of living in a software space. So in other words, living organisms are in some sort of algorithmic space in which they evolve according to computational rules. Chaitin hoped the theory could be used to formalize the idea that DNA acts as software. He argued that the mutations along that random walk through software space don't follow a statistically random probability distribution. Instead, they follow a distribution based on Kolmogorov complexity. But Chaitin had no way to test it. Now, some scientists are hoping to revive the theory in a way that makes it relevant to both biology and computer science. Computer scientist Hector Zenil is one of them. Zenil has been collaborating with other researchers to use Kolmogorov complexity to analyze the complexity of biological networks. These networks include those that model gene regulation or protein interactions in cells. The researchers can't compute the actual value of the algorithmic information content of a network, so they approximate that algorithmic information content. They then introduce a mutation to the network and test its effect on the Kolmogorov complexity. Researchers hope this method will reveal the relative importance of the network's various elements, as well as how the network might respond functionally to intentional changes. 
In one case posted online on a physics preprint site, they moved the network toward greater Komogorov complexity by introducing mutations that made the network's descriptive program get longer. This tended to increase the number of functions the system could perform while making it more sensitive to perturbation. If they nudged the network toward greater simplicity, fewer but more stable functions emerged. Chaitin believes Komogorov complexity could be a force driving evolutionary change, but it's still not clear whether Komogorov complexity could act as something more than a tool. Despite its problems, algorithmic information is appealing to some biologists. Traditionally, the mathematical framework used to describe evolutionary dynamics is population genetics. These are statistical models of how frequently genes may appear in a population. But population genetics has its limits. It can't account for the origin of life and other major biological transitions, or for the emergence of entirely new genes. Chaitin says the idea that got lost in the mathematical theory of population genetics is the notion of biological creativity. But he says if we take algorithmic information into account, creativity fits in naturally. So does the idea that the evolutionary process itself is improving and becoming more efficient over time. Here's Daniel Polani, a computer scientist and professor of artificial intelligence at the University of Hertfordshire in England. I'm quite convinced of that. Evolution does intrinsically learn. And I would not be surprised if this would be expressible in algorithmic complexity asymptotically going down. Hector Zeniel and his team set out to explore the biological and computational implications of the algorithmic complexity framework. They used the same complexity approximation technique they had developed to analyze and perturb networks. But this time, they evolved artificial genetic networks toward certain targets, matrices of ones and zeros representing interactions between genes. They did this by biasing the mutations in favor of those that produce matrices with lower algorithmic complexity. In other words, they selected for greater structure. They recently reported in Royal Society Open Science that, compared to statistically random mutations, this mutational bias caused the networks to evolve toward solutions significantly faster. Zeniel says other features also emerged, including persistent regular structures, sections that had already achieved a degree of simplicity unlikely to be improved on. Some regions are going to be more prone or less prone to mutation simply because some regions may have evolved some simplicity inside. And that is very interesting because what we saw is that those regions are carried out in future populations. That genetic memory yielded greater structure more quickly. Zeniel says this result implies that algorithmically probable mutations can lead to diversity explosions and extinctions, too. We are suggesting that it is fruitful to consider computational processes when we are talking about biological evolution. In the evolution of our experiment across populations, there were suddenly like explosions of diversity. So many organisms look very different. And that is somehow compatible with what we've uh, seen in the Earth history, including, for example, the Cambrian explosion that nobody knows why it happened. It just happened. It was not completely related to any change in the environment. At least there is no 
record and there's no agreement why it happened. It just seemed to have happened. And maybe this was one mechanism. Zaniel hopes to use this understanding of randomness and complexity to identify pathways that may be more prone to mutation. Or he'd like to figure out why certain genetic interactions might be associated with diseases like cancer. Zaniel would like to explore whether biological evolution operates according to the same computational rules, but most experts have their doubts, like mathematician Giuseppe Longo. Thinking of life totally encoded in four letters is radically totally wrong. DNA is a fundamental component of life dynamics. It is the physico-chemical trace of entire evolution. It's incredibly important. It is just a component. It makes no sense outside the cell. DNA outside the cell cannot resist a few years. It is there for billion years because it's entirely a totally reconstructed, stabilized, revised by the cell activity in an organism, in an ecosystem. It's also unclear what natural mechanism could be responsible for approximating algorithmic complexity or putting that kind of mutational bias to work. Still, the concept has piqued some interest, particularly since this way of thinking about evolution and computational processes seems to have something in common with genetic programming's aim of evolving software. There have been some intriguing hints at a potential link between Chaitin and Zeniel's ideas about Kolmogorov complexity and genetic programming methods. For example, in 2001, a team of researchers reported that the complexity of the output of a genetic program can be bounded by the Kolmogorov complexity of the original program. But for the most part, Kolmogorov complexity hasn't played a role in computer scientists' understanding of those ideas. Instead, they've tried other ways of modifying the genetics and mutations involved. Some groups have skewed the rates of mutations. Others have biased the system to favor mutations that replace larger chunks of code. Lee Spector is a computer scientist at Hampshire College in Massachusetts. He recently led a team that showed the advantages of adding and deleting mutations throughout organisms' genomes, instead of always directly replacing one gene with another. This new kind of genetic operator ended up exponentially expanding the number of paths through the genomic search space and led to better solutions. That said, many researchers have gone in the opposite direction. They're hunting for clever ways to speed up the process by narrowing the search space without limiting it so much that the search misses optimal results. One idea? Make simplicity a target. Computer scientists have found that simpler, more elegant models often prove to be more generally applicable and effective. Spector says the question is, does this tell us something deep about the universe or not? And is it useful? But Spector warns that attempts to bias evolving programs toward simplicity can be destructive, too. For example, rewarding something like shorter program lengths could trim out what looks like junk now, but might have proved helpful in later generations. That ends up sacrificing what could have been optimal solutions in the process. Spector says you end up getting stuck. Even so, simplicity remains a tantalizingly useful goal when it can be achieved. In work published in 2017, 
Specter and his colleagues applied their genetic programming techniques to reduce the size of programs by as much as 75%. They found the programs then performed better on new data and could be used for a wider range of general problems. That's in part why he's been keeping his eye on work in algorithmic information theory, but he says he's yet to see exactly how it will influence the field. Perhaps Zeniel's team has taken a first step toward finding that influence, but to make their work's applications more generally realistic, they'll first have to test their method on other types of search problems. Larissa Albatakis is a theoretical neuroscientist at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. They have a very good point in restricting based on structure. So nature is structured in many ways. And if you take that as your starting point, that it's kind of silly to try all possible uniform mutations. Albutakis has done work on speeding up genetic algorithms by limiting the search space they have to traverse. Anything that is meaningful to us is structured in some way or another. And to make computers understand what is meaningful and what isn't, every task where that is relevant could potentially benefit from restricting to producing structure. And having a measure of structure is not trivial. Computer scientist Lee Spector remains skeptical that Zinniel's recent work has applications beyond the very specific problem he explored. Still, he says the theory is intriguing and potentially important. Algorithmic information, after all, taps into a wide array of notions that some experts in genetic programming may not yet incorporate into their work, including the open-ended nature of evolution. Mathematician Gregory Chaitin says the idea of thinking about life as evolving software is fertile, but it might be a bit premature to judge its worth. Chaitin says no matter if we're thinking about artificial or biological life, we need to see how far we'll get. Michelle Yoon helped with this episode. I'm Susan Vallett. For more on this story, read Jordana Sapelowicz's full article, Mathematical Simplicity May Drive Evolution Speed, on our website, quantamagazine.org. What can or can't computers do? That's one of the questions answered in Quanta's book, The Prime Number Conspiracy, published by the MIT Press. Available now wherever you buy books or to listen to on Audible. Audible.